this morning. Uh, again, always excited when people, you know, come to church because they want to, you know, and they want to uh, know God's Word. And if you're here because someone dragged you, we're really glad you're here too uh, and hoping that it's going to be good for you. If you're listening online, uh, we know that uh, you're there and we know that, you know, there's, there's no distance with Holy Spirit that He can speak powerfully into your life as you listen as well. And uh, so the last number of weeks, we've been kind of talking about this idea of mission that Jesus gave his followers a mission, and it wasn't optional. He said, this is what I want you to do. If you're going to follow me, this is what it's about. I want you to be a disciple, not be a Christian. I want you to be a follower of me and what, a follower of what I say, a doer of what I say. And uh, he says, I want you to go and make other disciples. I want you to go and spread that to other um, people. And that was the mission that he gave. And so last week, Last week, I simply uh, let you in on, on the, well, it wasn't really a secret, but my agenda over this uh, uh, couple weeks. Last week, I just said simply this, I want to challenge you, whether you're here this morning, whether you're listening online, to take a step forward, an intentional step forward in your life as it relates to faith. I want you to think about it and say, not, not just that I hope I'm going to grow or whatever, but that I am intentionally taking a step forward in my journey with Jesus uh, as it relates to faith. And I said, the second thought is, our goal is we want to make that as easy as possible for you to do. Uh, and so that's the kind of the point of last week and this week. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to listen to it because these two kind of fit hand in hand. I was listening to a, a podcast by Andy Stanley a little while ago, and some of the thoughts that he was sharing just really triggered with me. And so some of those I want to share with you this morning as well. Uh, and last week, we talked about the simple thought that we all want to be known for something, we all want to be known for something. It's, it's, you know, when people think about us, what are the adjectives that come to their mind? And so we try, and, we try and portray that. But what we learned last week is that we want to be known for something, but what we really need is to be known by someone. We need to be known by others. Because if we don't, if we want to be known for something, we begin to, like, project this image. We try and manage our image. Facebook and Instagram, we put up there what we want other people to see. We come to church on Sunday, and it doesn't matter what our morning was like. We're smiling, and we want people to think we got it all together. You know, you and your wife may have been fighting all week, but you got your arm around her this morning, just in case. You know, others might, might have that question, and there they go, starting to put their arms around each other. <laughs> Right on cue, you know, that it's this, it's this image that we want people to have. But you know, the, the trouble with when we project an image, we actually stop growing because we're so busy wanting others to think something about us that we actually aren't changing or growing or becoming better uh, or, and really becoming authentic. And so that's what we said. We need to be known. We need to be uh, known for who we really are. And every one of us needs relationships where that can happen, where we can be genuine and authentic and who we really are with no fear of rejection, with no fear of judgment. And uh, every one of us needs that. And what I, what I want to talk about this morning is, is this thought that that place where you can go, where no one's, you know, where everyone's going to know your name and they're always glad you came. And like we said last year, you know, it feels like cheers, but it's actually church. You know, it's this place called church where people know you and love you. And when you share, you know, your, your heart with them, there's no, there's no judgment. There's no rejection. The church was supposed to be that place. But I don't know about you, but, you know, that, that hasn't really always been the, the experience for people when they think about church. We were actually talking about this morning. There's a gal, um, Chelsea had gotten a, a place and a job, a new job, and they asked her at work, you know, um, are, you, uh, are you religious? 
And her response was just classic. I love it. She says, well, if you're asking if I'm a jerk, no. You know, because that's kind of the, that's kind of the thought that people have, right? If you're religious, you, you're like, you're going to be one of, those, one of those jerks. Or if you think about church, what are the words so often used to define church and church people? Judgmental, hypocritical, exclusive, snobby, they're better than me. You know, I don't belong there. Well, we discovered last week that big church doesn't really work very well for people being known. And I'm not saying that, you know, you guys, it's not like that. But, you know, that's oftentimes what people think about. Last week, Derek Knight got to share. And if you didn't hear his story, oh, man, listen online just for that. It was excellent. But he shared how he, he, he experienced the power of a circle being connected to a smaller group of people where he could share his heart. And it actually gave him courage to share his story with a large group of people. And so last week we looked at this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, 16. We kind of uh, t- uh, looked at this primarily. I just want to start there this morning. It says this, that he, speaking of Jesus, he makes the whole body, the, the whole church, he makes them fit together. They're connected and then it says, as each part does its own special work, as each one does what it's, what it's been individually gifted to do, being involved, it says it helps all the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The church is meant to be connected, meant to be involved, and meant to be growing. And we say, yeah, that's good. Uh, the church is supposed to do that. But the church is the people. You, each and every person around you, is supposed to be connected to one another in authentic, genuine, known relationship. You know, if you look down your row, just look at the ones down your row who aren't your family. And maybe you've got to look across the row because you're a big Dutch family. So, you know, you've got to see some other people over there. But how well do you know those people? Do you even know their name? You know, he says, you're supposed to be so connected that you know their name and you know their story and you know how their week has been. You're like, "Ah, I'm not sure I know that. You know, it's supposed to be involved in one another's lives and growing together as followers of Jesus. That was the essence of what the church was to be. And it was was what the early church was. That's what they understood, that the church was about this, this, this one word. We have it in two words, but it's one word, this word one another. They understood that it was, that the church was about one another. And that word's found 100 times in the New Testament. Approximately half of those uh, times you find it, they're actually commands to Jesus followers. How many Jesus followers here this morning? This is, yeah, you can, you know, even how many Christians this morning, we'll go with that, you know. We got, we got a bunch. Um, these are commands to Jesus followers. He's like, these are not options. You know, you're like, oh man, I shouldn't raise my hand. I don't know what he's going to say, right? What's coming up next? But he said, these are, these are the commands to Jesus' followers, and it had to do with this idea of one another's. And it's amazing. Jesus said two of them, and it was kind of the pastors of the first early churches. They were the ones who shared these with, with new believers, saying, here's, here's what it looks like to be the church. Here's the command that I give you to be the church. And it involves this word, one another. But have you ever been given a command, and then you've just, it's not possible to do it? I saw him with this one guy, he says, yeah, they're checking to see if I'm insane, so they put me in the round room, told me to sit in the corner, right? And I was like, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, it's like this impossible thing. And if you try to do it, what do they say? He's crazy, right? You know, uh, maybe you've had other ones. I remember when, um, when uh, I was uh, working way back, uh, one of my first jobs, the guys in the greenhouse were like, yeah, hey, go ask the boss for the sky hook. We need that over here. And I'm like, okay. You know, and I'm sure enough, walk over there, and he looks at me like, what's wrong with you, right? And they're all laughing, killing themselves, laughing, because there's no such thing as a sky hook, right? And so uh, I'm, uh, my other buddies were in, um, in landscaping, and they'd always send the new guy to get the rock stretcher out of the truck, and they'd describe what it looked like, but there's no such thing as a rock stretcher, right? So they give them a command, but they're confused. They're like, how do I do that? You know, or maybe, you know, later on, you want to go 
try something. Try and staple water to a tree. It's possible. You figure it out. Go staple water to a tree. Or try and lick your elbow. You know, don't, don't do it now. I know some of you are like, can I? I? It's possible. Yeah, I know. And some of you are like going to try it right now. But everyone else looks around like, those people are crazy, right? Because th- that's, the, that's the thought. Sometimes we're given commands that when we actually try and do them, people think we're a little bit crazy. And what I find about these commands of, um, of dealing with one another in the church is when we try to do those commands that were given to the church, when we actually try to do those in the church, people think we're crazy. And you know what? It actually is crazy. And we're going to look at that this morning because... Um, the way we've understood church to be, it doesn't even work, really work that way. So let's t- take a look at what Pastor James has to say. Pastor James was the brother of Jesus. I mean, that is some pretty good credentials if you, if you needed any. Uh, this is not me saying it, but he wrote this letter to the followers of Jesus. He was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and then all, this persecution started happening, so all of his church members started going everywhere else, and he wrote this letter to them. And for those of you who know the, the, what you know as, as the book of James in the Bible— it's a really um, hands-on type letter. He's like, here's stuff to do. This is what I want you to do. I'm not talking so much about what you believe, but more about what you do with what you believe. And at the end of his letter, he ends with a few thoughts. There was no 5 and 16 back then. They just put that in for us to help us find it quicker. So if you take a look at James chapter 5, verse 16, you can find that on your app or in, if you've got a paper Bible, you know, use that. But, or you can read on the screen and hope that we're not duping you. But here's what it says. Here's what it says. James says to them, he says to the church people, to followers of Jesus, confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to one another. So later on, at the end of the service, not right now, we're going to ask everybody, as before we go, to stand up, find a complete stranger, and I want you to confess your sins to them. All the dirty deeds you did this summer, I want you to let them know. And I would encourage you not to, to, not to go first. You know, the, the, uh, and some of you look at me like, is he serious? Like, I'm not doing that, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It's like, that's what he commanded the church to do. Confess your sins to one another. Like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not doing that. Because it doesn't work very well here in this group. Because what happens? Image management kicks in. So, you know, if, if we did, if we did do this, you know, and everybody kind of gets together. And one, you know, the guys get together. And so it's one guy goes first. And the other guy's like, what? You cheated on your wife? Well, I, uh... I drove 90 on the way to church in an 80, you know? And, and image management kicks in. You're like, you know, we, we don't want to appear that it's that bad. Why? Because we don't want, we're afraid of that, that rejection that might happen or that judgment that might happen. Can I tell you something? Maybe you're here this morning, you think everybody's got it together, but you don't. It's okay to not be okay. It is totally okay to not be okay here this morning. If you're sitting here thinking, my life's, Man, there's so much, just, just everything's going wrong in my life right now. That is okay. What's not okay is if you don't have someone that you can tell about that. So my question is, who do you, who do you tell when things aren't okay? Do you have someone in your life that you can go and say, listen, I'm afraid, and it keeps me up every single night. I, I can't sleep because I can't get these thoughts out of my mind. Do you, do you have someone you could say, you know, I really struggle with anxiety. Like, it's like, it's crippling to me. I, I can't go into buildings because I'm just, I, I just, that's why I can't. Do you have somebody you can say, you know what, I, I'm, I, I'm smiling on the outside, but I'm depressed inside. I'm lonely. Do you have somebody you can say, you know what, I try my best, but I can't stop looking at things on the internet. I struggle with lustful thoughts every day. I just can't turn them off. 
What about, you know, maybe you're like, I, I drink too much. Well, I think I drink too much. I don't remember if I drink too much, but struggle with drinking too much. And maybe it's like, you know what, I, maybe it's I eat too much. Or I just can't stop buying stuff online. I can't stop spending money. I, I want to stop. I just can't. And it's, 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 it's ruining my life. And all of a sudden, I got real quiet. Why? Because we, we can't confess those kind of things to one another in a place like this. We're just not guaranteed that that's going to be okay. And every once in a while, somebody does. You know, the mic goes around, and they start telling all their dirtiness, and everyone else is like, ooh, awkward, right? Like, get me out of this. That person's crazy, right? That's like, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those things that we say, hey, wh- why? If it was designed, the church was supposed to be that. Why doesn't it work like this? And it's because the church really wasn't designed to simply be just like you see it today, rows uh, of people who just, you know, have a chance just to listen to someone and not actually share what's going on. You know, this idea of confession, once they realize that too many people got in a place, it's like, that doesn't work anymore. How are we going to do that? Well, let's have confession to a priest or confession to a pastor. Let's tell those guys, because they're good. They're between us and God. You know, if we tell them, they'll tell God, and God will smite them maybe and not me, right? Like it's that, somebody to go in between, but that's not what it says. Can you throw the verse up there again? What does it say? Confess your sins to, oh, sorry, that's okay. I just kind of tossed that curveball in there. Confess your sins to each other, to one another. He's saying not, not everybody to the pastor, but to one another, to have, a, to have a one another that you can do that with. And it's actually a dual command because he says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. See, that's the, that's the thought, this idea of praying um, for uh, one another. There's an incredible power in being known. When you open yourself and just say, hey, here's what I'm going through. It's, it's amazing. I've had it so many times where people have come to me and said, hey, you know what? I struggle with pornography or I struggle with suicidal thoughts. And after they said it, they're just like, you know what? I thought this was going to be really awkward, but I feel like a weight's just been lifted off my shoulders. I feel like I can breathe for the first time in weeks, months, years. Why? Because there's such a power in that. But it's in this thought then of praying for one another. Last week, Derek mentioned how Matt shared around a fire a couple of weeks ago what he was going through and how the guys prayed for him out loud. You know, and for some, that was really difficult. How many of you, you know, you, that's like one of your greatest fears. Like, you know, you say, hey, yeah, somebody share something. Like, I'll pray for you. And then you go home and you never pray for them. I, I'm guilty of that, just saying. But, but, but how many of you, you know, You'd be terrified to, um, to pray out loud this morning. Nobody's going to raise their hand, but I could just prove that point. I was coming to ask somebody if they want to pray out loud this morning. And they all start looking, please don't look at me. Please don't look. Right? Don't make eye contact. Why did I come this morning? You know, I'm a visitor. Don't pick on me. Right? It, it's true, though, isn't it? it? It really is true. And yet there's something so powerful. Just that verse that says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It makes incredibly, incredible power available, produces wonderful results. You're like, <gasps> I remember Derek sharing there. He's like, yeah, it's one of the first times he kind of like prayed in a group. And then he was able to pray here on Saturday night with a bigger group. Why? Because you see real growth. It makes power available. And it's the appropriate response. When someone confesses sin to you, the appropriate response is, you know what, let's pray. Not, I'm calling the pastor. He can pray. You know, or, you know, it's, hey, let's pray, not, 
oh, man, we can't be friends anymore. I had no idea you're into that kind of stuff. You know, I don't want to be associated with you anymore. You know, or, hey, let's pray, not, wow, I can't wait to tell all my friends about that. They had no idea that so-and-so. You know, hey, hey, you know, I just wanted to say, would you uh, join me as we pray for so-and-so? Because here's all the stuff that they did. And it's like, yeah, and spread the word. Everybody needs to pray. That's how we Christian gossip, right? But it's this, this thought. That we're sometimes really terrified to just really pray. But look what the end of this verse says. It says, uh, pray for one another, you might be healed. In context, this is talking about physical healing. If you're sick, call the elders. They're going to come pray for you. And this powerful prayer of confessing your sin and praying, you can be healed. But it's also this word of being whole. Being whole. So we have so many people walking around that just empty inside and they're like, let's try and fill this with something. And they don't know where to go. And it's why, you know, like I, so many people need a therapist or need a counselor. Because like, where do I go? You know, we, th- that career would be non-existent if the church was the church. Where people could just be known. And that was something incredibly powerful. He says, you know what? Confess your sins to one another. Pray with, for one another. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, here's another thing of these one another commands. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's not my job, you see, at the front here to say, hey guys, let me incite you to go do something great. And I really try my best to do that. But it's not always that effective. Why? Because it was said this, what motivate one another? That as one person motivates another. So if we said, hey, at the end of the service, we want you to get up. Find a complete stranger and motivate them to good works. You're a follower of Jesus. Obey the command. Go motivate somebody. That's going to be some, a whole lot of awkward conversations. Like, hey, I don't know your name, but uh, go love somebody this week. You go get them, tiger. And it's like, okay, thanks for the pep talk. You know? And then you go back and no one ever knows if you ever did it or not. Hebrews, this guy uses an interesting word. It's a word, the word motivates only found twice in the Bible. It's translated motivate here. But it's actually this word that means provoke or irritate. Ir- that, that's, that's a different word. You know, the, the other day I was um, building a fence in my backyard. And I was carrying tools from my garage to the backyard and back and forth. And the second trip or whatever, all, all of a sudden I'm like, there's something in my shoe. And have you ever had that? You know, the pebble in your shoe? And you're like, oh, yes, it bothers me, but I, I've got more important things to do. And you keep going. Well, that pebble just continues to irritate you until finally I'm like, forget it. I'm stopping, take off my shoes, get that, find that pebble in there, take it out and chuck it out. It's like, it's this tiny little thing, but it was just irritating enough that it got me to do something. It got me to take the pebble out. And for some of you, you know, that's, what the, that's kind of what this idea is, that the one another would irritate each other a little bit uh, in a good way to actually do something. That it's not like this one thing, hey, go do that. And then, you know, there's never an accountability to find out if you ever did. That's what most of our Sunday services are like, right? I tell you, hey, you guys should go do this. And you're like, yeah, we should go do this. And we go home like, we're never doing that. You didn't say that, but you just never did it. And we feel better because we went to church and we're like, I feel better because I thought about doing it. We need some pebbles in our life. But the problem is when the pebbles happen at church, Weird stuff happens. Like, for instance, I was out at the smoking um, area under, a, well, just under a tree with one of my buddies. He'd come to, come to church, and he's standing there smoking. A lady from church came up, and she's like, still smoking, huh? She says, you know, don't you know that I can kill you? Don't you know that you're dying slowly? Don't you love your family? Haven't you seen the pictures on the package? Well, when I used to smoke, well, I just prayed, and God took away my desires. You should try that. If you have faith, it'll all just go away. And then she walks off. And my buddy says to me, he's like, oh, who is that lady? Do you even know who she was? And she's like, he's like, it just makes me want to oh, smoke. 
<laughs> and, and what is that? Why? Because in her heart, her, her motivation was like, I want to motivate him to good works. But because she's not connected to him, it just comes across completely wrong. It comes across irritating in the wrong way because it's meant to be done in community. I was at a um, it, I was at a wedding yesterday and realized that the kind of, that kind of motivation really only happens with your buddies. You know, at a wedding, you got your, you got your groomsmen and your bridesmaids standing there, and they're, they're um, who are those people? They're, they're your best friends. They're the ones you know. These guys have my back, you know, or at least I could dupe them into spending a lot of money on a suit to stand up in my wedding or what, whatever it was, but they're guys you know and you trust. Those girls, you know, if you got trouble, you're calling them. And so I always challenge those witnesses saying, you know what? They're going to need somebody encouraging them. When they come to you one day and like, oh, she's running my life. Oh, I have to do my own laundry. Oh, you know, it's like she thinks she's the queen of wherever we live. And, and it's like these things. It's like, listen, listen, that's the time to remind them. That's the time to, to encourage them. Well, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear, yeah, right, you know, she's got it so good. You know, come out, hang out with us. You know, let's, who needs women? You know, she's just got to change. Or he's like, man, he's just a basket case, whatever. Forget him. Move on. That's kind of what we want to hear in those moments, but what we need to hear is somebody's going to say, listen, you said forever, stick with it. You know, somebody's going to irritate you a little bit to forgive, a little bit to say, you know what, I, yeah, you know what, go, go do the right thing. Well, they're going to take that from friends. They're going to take that from those buddies, yet too often we don't have those buddies in our lives. And it says, you know, for some that think, you know, well, big church, this is obviously doesn't work. You know, if this is what the church was supposed to be, this big church, I'm not going there anymore. Just for you, there's another verse right after this. He says in verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. There is definitely benefits to this idea of meeting together, but not if this is the only thing. Not at the expense of the one another, because he says, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. So there's all of these things, encourage one another. That means I'm encouraging you, you're encouraging me, because we know what's going on. There's, some, there's something in all of us that craves to be a part of a group like this if we could really believe that it could exist. You know why? Because when God designed you, he designed you for community. You were meant to be connected to people. You weren't meant to be a lone ranger just doing life on your own the best that you can. He wanted you to be connected to people. People who know you, who love you, who accept you, who forgive you, who encourage you, who challenge you. And when Jesus started the church, he said, there's no mistake, no accident that he said, this is gonna be all about one another couple more. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Pastor Paul writes this and says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person. Help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. He's saying, hey, this idea of help that person knowing it could be you. It could have been you that need the help, so help them in that same way, gently. And you know what he says, you know, if, 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 um, if another believer is overcome by some sin, it's almost this thought of, if you catch someone sinning, if you catch them sinning, if you realize that they're sinning, right? And for, for, uh, for some, like, you know, it's, it really is this thought that you're close enough to people that you're going to see when they sin. I like how Andrew put it, right? If, if you, you know, go to church every Sunday and you never read your Bible, no one's going to know. You just be like, you know, John 3.16, you know, whatever. Just say, oh, yeah, he must read his Bible, right? But, but if you go to a small group and you're connected, people are going to know. You know, and if you're married, you can fool everybody. And it's like, yeah, we love each other. But then you go to a small group with your wife, they're going to know, right? And they see these things. And he says, if you catch someone sinning, he says, there's a, there's a response to that. Uh, a, a while back, I got a text from somebody 
and I called them. I asked them if I could use this in this message today. Um, uh, the text was, was this. It's just the middle of the day. It says, if you were in a restaurant and saw your brother come in with a woman who is not his wife and doing things that you should only do with your wife, what would you do? What do I do? Do I just pray for them? Question mark. I texted back. Can I call you? Because there's no way I'm texting back that response. You know, when somebody says, oh, I caught them sinning, what do I do now? As we chatted, it was like, you know, it really depends on how well you know that person. Because if you don't know them and you go and tell them, you just be like, mind your own business, you judgmental, whatever, church freak. You know, it's, and if it's like, but if you do know them, if they're really your brother and you know them in community, you would have already had the conversation with them. See, because what we don't realize too often is that there's an enemy out to destroy every single person in this place. And sometimes people think, oh, the pastor, he's the shepherd. He's the one who's supposed to be watching over all the sheep. You know, it's, there's a leadership aspect, but that's impossible. Do you know who you need in your life? People who love you and care enough about you to say, hey, brother, I, you know, I can tell that things aren't quite right with you today because I hang out with you enough to know that something's not right. Are you okay? Who are going to ask you and actually mean it. Because we're so great at being Canadian. Hey, how are you? And the response is, fine. We actually want you to be fine. We want you to be that better, stronger person. And he says this, gently and humbly help them back to the right path. And in verse 2, it says, share each other's burdens. Share one another's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. I, I love this thought because it's this thing of sharing one another's burdens. This little clip or a little picture here just illustrates it as each of us is carrying a burden and someone else is carrying our burden. All the burdens are lighter uh, as a result. And it's this idea of help lift other people's heaviness. Do you know that I can't do that for every one of you? I know you call me when stuff's going on in your life and it's difficult and as much as I want to, I can't. I can't cook meals and keep up for all you baby makers out there. You know, like, it just, it's just impossible. You know, I, I, what happens is as groups of people get around one another, they're like, oh, they had a baby. They need meals, and we're going to make that for them. Why? Because they know. They know the burden. But people can't help carry your burden if they don't know your burden. And like I said earlier, we could pass the mic around and say, hey, listen, we want you to tell everybody your, you know, your struggles and your burdens. But for many of you, you won't do it. You know, if we tell, you know, to go down to a perfect stranger and tell them, you're not going to tell them. And if you did, they wouldn't know what to do to help you. But the church was actually designed to be that. And so it's crazy to me that what the church's essence was, that we would be the ones who love one another, care for one another, um, support one another, encourage, restore, catch one another sinning even, and restore gently and, and humbly, that that doesn't happen here. So we want to say, how do we make that possible again, that we would fulfill the law of Jesus Christ? When you hear the law of Christ, you're like, well, you know, there's a whole bunch of commands in the Old Testament. And then Jesus boiled it down to two commands in the New Testament. He said, I want you to love the Lord your God. I want you to love other people. And then in the end, he says, well, actually, it's just really one. In John chapter 13, he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. I want you to love each other. That's my command. Love one another as I have loved you. That's how you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. This idea of loving one another, it's not that feeling. It's not like, oh yeah, I love all those people. I love that little baby that's walking out right now. Such a beautiful distraction. You know, I, I just, that baby's easy to love, right? But when he's talking about love, 
He says this simply that love is, is a verb. It's an action. It's got to be demonstrated. Love has to actually do something. 1 Corinthians 13 describes love. And I would just encourage you with the thought when he says love one another, he's basically saying this and just add one another. You know what? Love is patient with one another. Love is kind to one another. You know, love is not selfish of each other. It's not easily angered by one another. Love protects one another. It always trusts one another. It hopes with one another, perseveres for one another. Love never fails one another. My question is, how have we done as that as a church? And when I ask that question, the question is probably better asked, how are you doing with Jesus' command? Have you been able to live that out in some way? You're like, no, it feels like he's given me a command, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to confess my sin because I don't know where I do that. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to pray out loud for one another because I don't know how to do that. It's like I've given this command, but if I try it, if I want to be, you know, I'm just going to do that on a Sunday morning, everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Why? Because the church was meant to be um, circles. It's pretty difficult. It's nearly impossible to do that when you're in rows. You know, I, I try to draw people. That's the best I got. But that's you. You know, pick a blue dot. That's you. You know, this is, this is, this is, it's, it's, it's impossible to do in the row. You look down the row, it's impossible. And that's why we're encouraging every person as part of this, this, these rows to be part of a circle. You know, when Kingsway first started, Sunday mornings, I just want to finish with this, this thought. Uh, when Kingsway first started, we had like 25 people here. Anybody here on Sunday number one? Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a, there was a few. Yeah. Started with a car accident and like uh, a service here. You can ask me about that later. But it was just 25 of us, and guess what happened? Everybody knew each other, and everybody really did care about one another. And when the mic went around and somebody said, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through, they were like, let's pray. And they'd pray out loud for one another. And it was this crazy thing that all of a sudden other people were like, hey, I want me some of that. And so they'd start coming, and they'd be like, hey, man, you got to come check out this church because they got these, this is just different. Like, these people really love each other and care about it. It doesn't feel like church. Come, come along. And then they invited more friends and more friends and more friends until finally you all ruined it. <laughs> it's true. We still pass the mic around, but sometimes nobody gives a care what's said. Sometimes we pass the mic around, and the people who should say something don't say anything. Why? Because it just doesn't work like this. The essence of the church was never designed to be something like this. And so we've, as a leadership team, said, well, how do we get people to get back to what it was originally? And I can tell you, it is in circles. It is in circles. We've grown in number, but have we grown as Jesus followers? Because that's what we care about, that you would grow as a Jesus follower. It's not just about where you go on Sunday. I care way too much about you to let that be the case. You're like, man, he's really hard on this. Man, he's really pressing these groups. It's because I love you. I just don't feel like love. It is. I want to motivate you to love, to good works, to grow. And it's only in circles where you're going to grow deeper, where you're really going to grow stronger, where you're really going to have the chance to experience what whole feels like. The church and you were designed to be part of community where people love and accept, forgive, encourage, and know you. And I end with this. That cannot be forced. That can't be manufactured. We can't just put up a list of groups and say, you know, just go with one of these groups and it's, it's just going to work. It's not this romantic thing. It's not this thing that's just going to happen automatically. But I can tell you it'll never happen if, it's not, if you're not given the opportunity. And so by taking that step saying, hey, you know what, I'm going I'm to join a group because I'm taking a step, Jesus, 
in following you. I want to be a better Jesus follower. I want to obey your commands. I want to be known. It scares me. But guess what happens when you allow yourself to be known in a safe environment? God moves in, does incredible stuff in your life. You know, when you get to that place where we are doing our best to create groups that are going to make that opportunity possible. But I encourage you, none of that works unless you take a step. So last week we said the same thing. I want to challenge you with it this morning. If you have a cell phone, take it out. Maybe, like I said, you're already playing Angry Birds for 15 minutes on there, but it's all right. Just close the app and go to your texting spot and say, you know what? I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to take a step and text that number, one of those numbers, to, to me. I'm personally going to be the one who responds to that because I want each and every one of you individually to be a part. Maybe you're like, you're not signing up for it. You're just simply saying, hey, I'm possibly interested in this. I, I, I want to take a step and then help us. It'll give us the chance to help you uh, be connected to a group that works. If none of those groups work for you, just text number nine to me and I'll, I'll be in touch with you to find out how we, how we do that in your life. Different styles of group because you know what, for one, like maybe you say, hey, that Hebrews thing, I mean, really studying the Bible, that's kind of what I'm interested in. You know what happens? You get together, you study the Bible, that's all you really are talking about. You know, you're talking about some of the answers, and, but you hear yourself talking out loud, and other people are like, yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. And then out of that, it's like afterwards, that, those discussions lead to kind of other discussions about life, and, and, and it leads to that spot. Maybe you're like, you know what, that is not me. I have way too many issues right now. I need to go to a men's group where I can just tell everybody, this is what's going on in my life. And guess what happens? You share what's going on in your life. And you're like, man, I struggle with this. And all of a sudden, somebody else says, yeah, hey, me too. Like, you know what? Me too. What? I never thought you would struggle with that. Yeah. Well, let's pray together. And guess what happens after that? lead you to this word of saying, hey, you know what? Here's what God's word says about it. Hey, why don't you read that this week? I'm going to read that this week. Let's come back next week and see how it worked. Hey, I'll do that. And it leads you to that same spot. It's all around community. It's all around the word. And ultimately, it's all around Jesus. But it's round. It's round. I encourage you this morning, if you spent all of your Christian life in rows, and you wonder why it's boring, and you wonder why it doesn't work, I'm telling you, take a step and get in a circle. Last night after we finished, people were sharing afterwards about how that worked for them. They were part of other small groups. One was part of a small group at a gym. But they said, you know what? It's the ones that are about faith. Being connected with other Christians, it actually causes the change and the growth in your life. And one person said, you know, it's kind of like pools. You know, if you go to a pool and you're like, I'm going to join that group and like the water's too cold, just go to another pool until you find the hot tub where you belong, right? That's, that's that, that same thought of try something. It may not work right away, but try something because eventually, and each of them all said it, they found that place. And for some of you, just want to encourage you with that. We want you to take a step and want to make it as easy as possible but it's up to you to do that. Maybe this morning you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. You, you, this, this is all new to you. You're like, what is all this about? But hearing about something on the inside of you is churning. I'd encourage you just to text, you know, text number three to me and take a, take a chance to come and ask the questions about God that are in your heart. Maybe you don't think about them every day, but there's those nights where you're like, is there a God? Does, does he care? Like, which one is right? You know, come. You can ask those questions in a safe place and we encourage you to do that. I've done the best that I can do to motivate you to good works. I hope that that little pebble doesn't leave your mind all week until you take a step to do something that he's called you to do as a Jesus follower. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just for your incredible word and the way you've designed us and that you uh, know us. You know us completely. But God, that you've designed us to be known by others as well and to do life together. Thank you for this great family that we get to be a part of. Thank you for putting Kingsway together. 
Lord, as we uh, take steps just intentionally to live out our faith with you this week, God, would you make up the difference where we're lacking? As we take the one small step, would you cause that to uh, cause incredible ripples in our life that affect us in big ways and others as well? God, help us to, to actually be able to obey the commands you've given us this week as we go out and think about one another. God, thank you again for making all this possible by sending your son that you cared enough about us to, to give your life for us. Thank you, Jesus. We want to live today for your glory and in your power. In your name we pray. Amen.